Thank you so much to our sponsors, Yellow Racket Records, a place for music lovers to discover, hear, and buy new and pre-loved records. Great staff, great coffee, comfy chairs. YellowRacketCHA.com and RC2 Realty Solutions Real Estate Investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles, America. Hey folks, Ole El Jefe here with another episode of Storyville. Storyville found here at fredpodcast.com. Please continue to listen. We do one of these a week along with a an hour-long episode of Rockyology, a music show, and they're all archived at fredpodcast.com. Continue to listen, continue to share the links with your friends, people who enjoy just conversational podcasts or good music, and uh, and, 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 and visit our sponsors if you get a chance. Spend a little money with them and tell them where you heard it. Today's Storyville is going to be mm, somewhat tied to a current event. Uh, I kind of moved away from doing things that were newsy um, when I first started doing it because I spend my entire morning doing a talk radio show talking about the headlines of the day and you can get that stuff anywhere we're lousy with people with political opinions I mean everywhere you look you've got talking heads so I just decided to really kind of focus on storytelling I've had a fairly interesting life and I know a lot of fairly interesting people a lot of fairly interesting things have happened to me and to those around me uh, over the course of my 60 years plus and the current event that kind of is going to bring me in this direction today that I'm heading is a story out of the nation of Belize Belize is a Central American nation. It has mountains 3,000 feet high on one side and a beautiful coastline with the world's second largest barrier reef there on the other. It's a gorgeous country. It is in a tropical rainforest. The people are remarkably friendly. It used to be British Honduras. It was British Honduras up until 1978 when they became independent and became Belize. And I've always been fascinated with the place since I first heard about it uh, when I was in college. And then a hang gliding buddy of mine one time during the summer, a lot of pilots in this area go elsewhere to do other sports because the summer is just not the best time to fly. As a general rule, spring and fall rules around here when it comes to hang gliding and paragliding. And a friend of mine went all the way down in his van and his little dog And they drove all the way down through Central America and found this nation. He didn't even know it existed. Uh, English is the primary language because it was British Honduras. The majority of the population is Creole in nature, and that's really the best way I can put it. Um, It is, you know, it is a black nation, but a very light-skinned black nation. Spanish is really probably the third language even though you think it would be primary, most of the folks around there speak English, and then they speak an indigenous mix of languages that comes from all the way from ancient Mayan civilizations down to a minority group called the Garifuna. But it's kind of a, a local language into and of itself, and then you have Spanish on top of that. The food is incredible. The seafood is fresh. Um, the, the, the diving or snorkeling on the Great Barrier Reef is so accessible. It's absolutely phenomenal. And everybody has seen the picture of the Blue Hole, which is at the Turnef Atoll 
right off the coast of Belize. There are several islands that belong to the nation, and it's that big, dark, deep blue hole in the middle of that Caribbean, you know, light aqua. And it's just a naturally occurring phenomenon. It's a it's a destination place for, for divers all over the world. But the thing that put it in the news this week was a shooting. The chief law enforcement officer of the nation was killed, and the person being held suspect in the killing, she says it was accidental, it looks pretty sketchy, is a billionaire socialite from the U.K., the, the ties between Belize and the United Kingdom are still very, very, very strong. When you go there, you don't hear a lot of American English being spoken. It is not terribly popular among Americans simply because it just really hasn't been discovered yet. The very northern part of the country and an area um, near Cozumel, I guess, would be the best way to explain it, kind of on that little peninsula there that sticks out. Uh, that is called Ambergris Key. Ambergris Key has the town of San Pedro in it. And this socialite billionaires, um, she is the daughter-in-law of Lord Ashcroft. Lord Ashcroft was the ambassador to the United Nations from Belize. So she spent a lot of time down there. She knew the nation's top law enforce- enforcement officer very, very well. And her story is that she was giving him a neck massage down on the dock that stuck out into the ocean next to this luxury resort hotel she was staying in. And he said, please pass me my gun. And when she reached for the Glock, it went off and shot him in the back of the head. And then he fell on her and she pushed him off and he went into the water. And that's where they found him. I'll let you figure out how you feel about it. And you can go look it up and Googles it up on the interwebs and get all the details. But the fact that the official report noted that both people were clothed when they arrived might give you a hint as to where that this investigation might be going. But it just it spurred this conversation about Belize and what an interesting nation it is. And I've visited it now four times. And I have literally been from one side of the country to the other, from the mountains to the ocean, and zigzagged back and forth. It's just not that big. It's not that hard to get around down there, and it is highly recommended. Uh, I have enjoyed every trip I've ever made, and I would go again in a heartbeat. I've just got two stories I wanted to tell from two different trips we made down to Belize. One is just completely anecdotal. I just think it's kind of amusing. The other one is kind of mysterious. And I'll start with the the amusing anecdote first. Um, People, I think, get this concept that every Central American, or let me put it this way, every Caribbean nation, every nation that is an island or borders the Caribbean Ocean is somehow Jamaica, and that everybody is walking around, you know, smoking Marley's and getting stoned all the time. That is not the case. Uh, most countries down there actually have much much uh, stricter and more harsh drug laws than we do here in America. And it is very much frowned upon to be dealing in such substances, and you'll get in serious trouble for it. But, again, it's there. Um, th- th- these are a couple of the observations I made um, when we were on the island. And, again, all the islands are called Keys, and it's spelled C-A-Y-E. And everybody says K, but it's actually key like the Florida Keys. And it's called Key Calker. It's called Key Calker 
because, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, the whole Johnny Depp franchise, they really were there. The Caribbean was where the pirates loved to hang out. And that particular island was where they would get on the leeward side of the island, away from the wind, away from the big surf, away from the reef, and they would caulk their boats. The pirates would literally send most of the crew to the mainland to party down, to get supplies and things of this nature, while they were recalking their boats. Therefore, it was known as Calker Key or Key Calker. We were out there, and our first night we spent in the nicest hotel on this island. This island is very small. I actually, I timed myself. I got on a bike, a rented bike. I started at one end of the island, rode down the one road, the main road, which is just sand, packed down sand, no paved roads whatsoever. It took me 10 minutes to get to the other side. So that's how big this island is. And it's a beautiful place, magical place, and still pretty much untouched by the uglier side of tourism, especially American tourism. But there's one hotel that is kind of stands above the rest, literally and figuratively. It's nicer than most of the other sort of B&B type places down there, or bunkhouses or hostels, European concept that never really caught on in America. And it's all of three stories tall, three stories tall making it the tallest building on the island. So we get there, we we fly into Belize City, then you get in a water taxi, takes about 45 minutes to get out to the island. Most of the people using the water taxi are not travelers, they're not tourists, they're people who work on the island but live on the mainland. Interesting group of people. And again, the melange of voices that you hear Um, very, very little American-accented English, mostly German, Italian, and French, and then some Portuguese as well. There's a big Brazilian population there. Um, But we get to the hotel, and my wife disappears. We put our stuff down in our room. We got a nice room looking out over the Caribbean Ocean. You can see where the waves are breaking on the reef out there, and there's this one particular bar called the Lazy Lizard that actually is a wreck of a place. It was destroyed by a hurricane. The hurricane actually cut the island into two. It just cut a swath right through the middle of it that now has a very strong current that moves one way during the morning, the other way during the afternoon. And right at that edge of the populated part of the island is the lazy lizard. And it's literally slabs of concrete and rebar that are all offset and, and cattywonkered, all out stuck out in the ocean and getting hit by waves. But they actually do have, in the lower part of what used to be this building, they have a working bar, and it opens up every day. And that is where the tourist people go. And they lay out on the sand and on those concrete slabs around the lazy lizard, and they jump in the water and get swept away by the currents and come back around. And there's a tremendous amount of tropical fish. It's beautiful. But anyway, we're there in, in, in our hotel room, and my wife disappeared, and figured she's wandering around, kind of getting a feel for her surroundings, and I walk out the back door, which actually is facing the ocean, and I'm on the ground level on a little patio, and these two guys come walking up to me, two young men, pretty handsome fellas, and speak to me in perfect English with that beautiful Caribbean lilt that they have to their voice. Hey, you know, is there anything you need? 
first thing out of their mouth, is there anything you need? And the answer really actually was no, we had everything we needed, but yeah, there might be something I might like to have since I'm down here on my own. This was several years ago and just me and her, and we're going to be here for about six or seven days. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a little something, something, maybe a little something to smoke, if you know what I mean, a little herbal remedy for the old headache, glaucoma, whatever. Immediately just light up, smile, said, no problem. And they introduced themselves, introduced themselves as Mex and Mission. Mex and Mission. I asked where the nicknames came from. Mex was called Mex because he kind of looked Mexican. He didn't really, but apparently his friends thought he did. Mission was called Mission. As he looked at me, I said, why do they call you Mission? And he looked at me dead serious. And he goes, as in accomplished, Mission accomplished. And I went, oh, okay, that's good. So then I do, of course, the American touristy thing, and I actually give them money up front to go buy me something. So you're thinking, I'll never see this money again. You know, it, it wasn't that much. I think it was like 25 bucks. I'm not looking for, you know, a, a bale of marijuana. I'm just looking for something I can puff on while I'm down there in my privacy and, you know, enjoying my vacation. They were back in five minutes. In five minutes, they were back, and they had what I was looking for and gave me the reefer gave me a, a a few papers, which were harder to come by than the reefer was, apparently. Actually getting rolling papers down there. They usually smoke it out of pipes or glass like a lot of the kids do around here nowadays. But the whole time this was happening, my wife, and this is where this whole story really began, I wasn't unsure that we didn't actually know the chief law enforcement officer. Now, I don't have any of the names in front of me anymore. I did yesterday. But the guy did look very familiar, and Rebecca was on the roof. The roof had an overlook area that gave you this beautiful view, being the tallest building on the island, and she was up there with the chief of police of Key Calker. He was actually the chief of police for the town and the entire island's police force. And that was a place where he would spend part of his day just kind of keeping an eye on his domain. And they struck up a conversation, and my wife is Venezuelan, so she's very fluent in Spanish, started in Spanish, moved to English, and they were sitting there talking. And she's watching these two guys talk to me directly below her, and as she sees them walk into our hotel room, yes, I trusted them that much, and that's how maybe naive I am, they walked into our hotel room, and he goes, the people around here are very nice, very friendly, just don't invite them into your hotel room, literally. At the exact same time, they saw them walking in, <laughs> and he goes, just don't invite them into your hotel room like that guy just did. And she didn't say, that's my husband, he's a moron. But anyway, it just it, it was an interesting conversation. We saw him again as we were leaving, and I can go and tell you, yeah, any of the surplus that I had, I did leave behind with somebody who was just arriving by, you know, water taxi, and they were glad to have it because I certainly wasn't going to try to, you know, sneak it back to America. It's not like it's hard to find here, and I wasn't going to get myself in trouble. But I did watch somebody try to do it. And the same officer, the same chief of police, was in play here. He was down at the dock where the water taxi was, and he generally was whenever it came in. He was kind of the welcoming committee. And actually, this is, this is the, the, the first day of our visit there. 
for this vacation was our second trip there. We had actually been there once before, but this on this vacation, it was our first day. And there was a guy that basically just sits there by the pier where the water taxi pulls up, totally Rasta dude, wearing the big, you know, Bob Marley looking multicolored Jamaica flag, you know, crocheted beret and the dashiki looking robe and everything like that. He recognized me from two years before. That's how few Americans they see, big, tall gringos with gaps in their teeth from Tennessee-type Americans. And he recognized me, walked up and fist-bumped to me and said, welcome home, man. You know, it was cool. But I'm sitting there watching this dude, this little hippie dude, looks like he's probably about 23, 24 years old, got a couple of girls with him, and they're getting ready to get back on the water taxi and head back to Belize City and fly out. And he's got his little bag of pot, and he wraps it up real nice and neat where it can't be smelled. He, he, he thinks it's dog-proof, and he sticks it in his guitar. He sticks it in the body of his guitar, down into the body, through the hole, and he actually tapes it up to the underside there, and he thinks he's slick. And so I'm watching him do this. I've just given mine away to somebody. And so we're getting on board, and I'm telling my wife, I said, baby, watch this guy. He's trying to sneak some pot on. Let's see how he does. And the chief was standing there and was talking to a couple of young ladies, which he was wont to do, um, and was completely focused on them. And as the guy goes walking by with his guitar, he had his guitar case, his backpack on, and he was carrying his guitar separately. The chief just reached out without even looking at him without even looking at him, reached out, took the guy's guitar, shook it real hard until the pot fell out, and then just handed it back to him and said, have a nice day, and then picked it up and put it in his pocket. Didn't arrest him, didn't charge him, but dude was nowhere near as smart as he thought he was. It's like the guy had eyes in the back of the head. Something tells me he had seen that trick before. Just a little anecdote there. Now, the second one, the mysterious part of it, and this is really just bizarre to me and there's it's hard to explain but it, it is what it is there are multiple mayan ruins uh scattered across belize it was the center of an empire at one point and there is one place in particular called caracol and it actually has big uh, big ziggurat set up in the middle of the jungle and all of these uh, huge stones that are laying this way and that way out in the forest and it is um, it has been carefully curated and trails have been cut and you're talking you know thousands of years in the past these old you know construction sites go back and these intricate faces carved into the stone that you find just out wandering around in the, the, the deep woods, and suddenly you come up on something that's like discovering Angkor Wat, you know, in, in um, where, where's Angkor Wat? Bangladesh? No. Cambodia, Cambodia. You know, when the, the, the soldiers in the Vietnam War actually discovered this ancient site, it's just, it's, there's a surprise around every corner. But there is a particular tree that is native and indigenous to Belize, and there were a few in Guatemala, there were a few in Honduras, a few in El Salvador, and almost all of them were cut down during um, times of heavy, heavy deforestation. And on the actual national symbol for Belize, there's a man with an axe. So 
forestry and timber was a huge part of their economy, but this one tree they never cut down because their religious beliefs actually held the tree to be sacred. It's called a Saba tree. Saba, that's spelled C-E-I-B-A. And it's actually Saba Pentandra, if you really want to look it up. But I'm going to show Jason, the Argonaut here, just a picture. Look at the scale of the base of this tree and the person standing next to it. It is nowhere near as tall as a sequoia redwood. But it's around. Oh, my oh God. Goodness. It is. There's no telling how much cubic feet of lumber you would get out of one of these trees. And it's a sore spot between Belizeans and Hondurans and Nicaraguans because they have people coming from the other nations across their border and they're illegally logging these trees that are held to be sacred. And these things have these white satiny buds on them that look something kind of like cotton candy. They burst into flower and it's like they have big wads of cotton candy hanging off of them. Very aromatic. The wood is 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 very, very hard. It would be perfect for shipbuilding, but being held as a sacred tree, they asked you not to touch them. And so these huge trees were standing in the middle of these green expanses and, and areas between these old ruins, and they would always have just a little yellow rope around them, and they asked you not to touch them. Okay, one, one was left unprotected. And the taxi driver, and there's an extra little piece of the story that goes along with this. His name was George. We, we picked him out at the airport, and he became our driver. That's not uncommon when you go to the Caribbean. You go down to these nations. If you find a driver you like, you get his number, and you keep that guy. And he becomes your tour guide. He's not just a one-time taxi fare. He's going to be your guy for the rest of the, the trip. George was great. He had a limousine, first of all. And that's a very rare thing down there. Uh, and uh, I'll also say this. My first trip there, because it was British Honduras, and because that's where most of the customs came from, I wondered if they drove on the left side of the road. Uh, my wife and I had spent 10 days in England one time, and I actually got pretty proficient driving on the right side of the car, shifting with my left hand, driving on the left side of the road. It's not as hard as you think it might be. But I wondered, and 20 minutes into the ride, away from the airport and into the country, I'm looking at my family. We still didn't know what side of the road they were supposed to be on because this guy was weaving all over the place. I finally asked him, I said, which side of the road do you are you supposed to drive on down here? He goes, the good one. And so that that's the rule. You drive on the good side of the road, wherever there are less ruts and potholes. And like in any other nation south of the American border, laws and rules and regulations and guidelines for behavior on the streets and highways are mere suggestions. They speed. They do everything except run up on the sidewalk. We actually hit a bicyclist at one point, and everybody just cussed each other and went on about their business. A very different world. The guy wasn't hurt. He was okay. He cussed the driver. The driver cussed him, and we were still on our way. So anyway, George is our driver, and he's talking about his relationship 
with Prince Harry. And we were sure he was full of it. I mean, he doesn't really know Prince Harry. He pulls out his phone and starts showing us all these pictures of Harry and Meghan Markle when that she was still just the girlfriend, the secret girlfriend, the secret black American girlfriend of Prince Harry. They would go to Belize and hang out where nobody would bother them. And they're big believers in protecting people's privacy down there. So George comes up and takes us away from the normal touristy pathways around the Caracol site, and he takes us out to where one of the Caba trees is standing by itself and doesn't have the yellow rope around it, and he said, I just thought you'd like to actually touch one. And you can call me a tree hugger. That wouldn't bother me in the least. I've hugged many a tree. I mean, there are old living things. There's a certain wisdom, a certain aura that they have. Some have more than others. If you've ever stood next to a sequoia, you'll know what I'm talking about. It will put you into perspective. I got two pictures in a digital camera with a digital camera of my wife leaning up against the Caba tree, the sacred tree. When we went back and looked at the photographs from the day, both of those pictures were blurred out of your ability to actually make them out. They were completely blurry. It's like they'd been hit with some sort of radioactivity or a magnet had been slid over a magnetic strip and disrupted the picture somehow. Both times, there was a picture of her standing there, perfectly clear, a picture of her afterwards, words walking back, talking to George, which I've still got a really good shot, perfectly clear, both pictures of her actually touching the tree were blurry, and you could barely make out what it was, which was essentially a tree with some sort of, you know, uh, brownish blonde uh, blur next to it. And always wondered about that. Maybe there really is something to the sacred nature of these trees. Maybe, I mean, when she contacted it, maybe there was actually a connection, maybe something the camera picked up on. I don't know. But it's just a, it's a beautiful, interesting place. I'm sorry that it's in the news for the wrong reason, somebody's murder. And I think it's definitely going to come out that he was shot in the back of the head on purpose. I don't think that the Glock just went off on its own. And I don't know how the justice system is going to work with a billionaire heiress whose father was the actual representative of the nation to the rest of the world for so many years. We'll see how that goes. But just wanted to share those stories with you. There are many, many, many more. Um, we dove with sharks and rays and uh, just a tremendous good time to be had at that coral reef. It would take about five minutes to paddle a kayak back from it. It'd take about 35, 40 minutes to get to it, fighting the current and the waves, and then turn around and basically just catch waves all the way back, and you're back on shore in five minutes easily. Paragliding behind boats, huge sport down there. Uh, uh, sail kite sailing kite surfing i guess mm-hmm. kite surfing is that what it's called huge down there people just catching air all over the place but an interesting place highly recommend it um you will discover if you go down you're thinking i'm going to get me a piece of land i'm going to move down here they will not allow americans to buy property if you were going to become a property owner down there you would actually have to get belizean citizenship or get a citizen to act as a go-between, and it would always be in their name. You'd have to basically have a lawyer watching a lawyer watching a lawyer to make sure you didn't get screwed over. But just wanted to share those with you because it popped up in my brain because of the story, and particularly Mex and Mission. 
And they came by a couple more times just to check on me and make sure I was okay. I didn't need anything else. And uh, interesting to note also, um, as we deal with this opiate problem here in the United States of America, you know, it, it all began when doctors were prescribing the opiates and you immediately developed a nation of addicts who then sought out the medicine that kept them from going through withdrawals. Down there, you can buy opiates over the counter, like aspirin. They don't have an addiction problem. It's just always been there. The doctors don't prescribe it because you could just buy it. So therefore, they didn't have a nation of addicts to begin with. The, the drug is available to people who are actually in pain, but it was never given to them by a doctor and said, you take this for three weeks and then come back to me. By then, you're addicted to the damn stuff. And you could also buy Ritalin and Adderall and things of that nature over the counter, and they don't have the kind of drug problems we have. Something to think about. Appreciate you listening to Storybook today. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. Southern Segway, Chattanooga's first consumer Segway dealer. Find them at Southern Segway on Facebook and Instagram. Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy and Rejuvenation Center. Find them at northspring.com. For more, go to fredpodcast.com.